we're back here again for um is this episode seven? this is episode eight episode eight um and we have a special treat for you today we have uh, um, our professor dr kim um, here with us hi <laughs> and, hello and, nice to meet you guys and then and alex as well um today we're we're going to be talking about friends um, kind of just a reminder on, you know, this started as this is a school project um, here at UVU and COM 1500 and um, talking about uh, how mass media affects culture. A little background on friends. Um, it's a, a, a group of friends who um, all live in, in the similar, the same, who all live in the same apartments around um, by each other and they um, have a you know, a, a meeting place that they meet down at the cafe where one of them works and they, you know, just are there for each other. What have, we're coming to the end of the semester here in Con 1500. And one of my favorite things about this entire class is we began the semester, Dr. Kim, speaking, talking about newspaper and print and then how it develops into what it is now, and then you go into things like radio and television and music. And I have walked away from this class seeing the effects of everything, all of the media in my behavior and the behavior of people around me. And I really think, have you seen the show Friends? Yeah, sure, of was course. It, yeah. Was it popular? Um, it was popular in like the late 90s. Yes. Uh, in my early, generation, early yeah, it yeah. is very familiar with the sitcom, the Friends. Okay. Yeah, and was it as big in South Korea as it was in the United States? Yes, it was very popular in South Korea in my generation. You know that uh, about uh, in late 1990s and early 20s, yeah, all the Korean, yeah, most of the Korean university students uh, used the sitcom when they learn English. Yeah, it was a very yeah, popular and very good yeah, textbook for Korean people to learn English. Yeah. So all of the English that Koreans learned is like 90s. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was uh, yeah, one of the very good yeah, textbooks. Dr. Chin, we were talking a little bit earlier too, is that um, because of Friends, that led to a, a bunch of other sitcom mm -hmm. shows in, in South Korea. Yes. It was a very good textbook to learn English for students. And at the same time, it was very good content formulation, creating the sitcom for Korean TV producers. So many of the sitcom at that time in 1990s and 20, uh, in 20th century, uh, in 20s, many of the Korean popular sitcoms are they are coming from most of they are coming from the sitcom friend speaking of learning english mm -hmm. i wonder what kind of behaviors are in south in korean uh, for example when morgan and i are doing our podcast there's a lot of um and so a lot of filler words mm -hmm. oh yeah. yeah i that's another one that you do i know yeah oh yeah Oh yeah, so um, I do write that word. I use it all the time, and mm -hmm. I edit a lot of them out mm -hmm. so that it sounds better in the final production. Do Koreans do the same thing, have filler words when they can't think of what they're going to say next? Yeah, sure. Why not? What are they? 
Do they have filler words? Like when you're speaking Korean and you, uh, yeah, um, uh, uh, one of the things I love about friends, and I was thinking about this the other day, the cast are my parents' age. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right yeah. now, like you look currently, they're, okay. they're 51, 52. Which means that in the '90s they were, you know, late '20s, early '30s, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. and everything in society is going on in that mm-hmm. show: dating, careers, mm-hmm. um, living up to family, living expectations. up to family expectations. What, what do you What are you referring to exactly? Well, um, so in the in the beginning, I think in season one, uh, Rachel, who's played by uh, Jennifer Aniston. She timeless. Yep. She came from a very rich family and her her parents, you know, they wanted her to marry a, you know, a rich guy, an orthodontist. And mm-hmm. it's the example that she was about to marry, but she didn't love him. And so she didn't marry him. And she moved. Rachel is like the perfect example of like East Side, upper, you know, upstate New York. Mm-hmm. That's where they are. Right. In their apartment. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're like downtown Manhattan is where that famous apartment is yeah and so they uh are so her friends her actually her mom sends her friends over to her because she's she just took a job at the at the coffee shop where they hang out Mm -hmm. and she sends her friends over there to kind of make her feel bad so that she's like oh i'm just gonna come back home and take daddy's money and and do all these things but she's like no She's like, that's not the life I want to live. All of my friends are not wealthy, but they're super happy. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I think uh, the friend uh, described the fantasy. Yeah, created the fantasy of the single life for young generation at oh, that that's time. that's so true. Yes. Like the, this, this fantasy of... Um, you yeah. can do anything. Like the American dream, so to speak. You have come from nothing and create the things that you want yeah. to do. There's no conflicts and no problems in their lives. They just uh, uh, consider their dating. And compared to the current society, the young generation at that time, they had, yeah, they used, yeah, they don't have any deep consideration of their job securities and their business. Yeah, they just concern about the relationship with other people. Yeah, people. Yeah maybe girlfriend yeah. or boyfriend yeah it was the big issue just for them so they created a fantasy for a single life i think it was written for american pop culture mm-hmm. i would assume how in korea how did it re- how did they respond to this this culture in america was it was it similar or was it yeah, it was very similar. In late 1990s, South Korean society has a big economic crisis. So before the economic crisis, we, uh, we experienced a very beautiful life like the U.S. There are lots of similarities between the uh, French sitcom and the young generation's lifestyle in South Korea. In your expertise and your 
your thesis and your doctorate was around mass media. Mm-hmm. Yes? Yes. Um, what was the specific emphasis in your thesis? How people use new media to make a campaign. To me, Friends is a perfect example. In America, there was this thing in hairstyle, the, mm-hmm. the Rachel. Yes. Yes. People were getting her haircut like yeah. that. Would you say that television shows and sitcoms are more intentionally influential than we realize? Or is it just kind of a byproduct of the sitcom. media? Yeah. Like, do you, do you feel that when they, when they wrote this stuff yeah, it for de- Friends, it they depends. meant to have this yeah, influence? Yeah, it depends on, but I think the sitcom, uh, the sitcom Friends, uh-huh. they were a key player. To cre- key player. Yeah, the yeah. key player to create a new culture. Mm-hmm. They were in the center of the culture at that time. We learned in class that there was um, artists like the Beatles... Mm-hmm. That were musicians, but they played this role in shifting culture. Yes. Yeah. Would you say that Friends had a similar effect? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the content, most of the media content is a byproduct of the media industries. But you know that uh, Beatles, they were, they were a culture itself, culture themselves, just so like that, the sitcom Friends was a culture what i love about cinema subtext this this was created for a class and at first it was geared towards the root of the class which was a it was an analysis on communication in mass media but mm-hmm. every single time we have these these episodes mm-hmm. they get into these like philosophical nitty gritties mm-hmm. You know, we started with Brooklyn Nine-Nine and then we worked through a couple of uh, TV shows that are super popular. The Office, New Girl. Modern Family. Modern Family was last episode. And I would love to hear your perspective on this, Dr. Kim, because first of all, thank you for taking the time. Um, What we've discovered is time has gone on. They've integrated social issues more obviously into the writing of the shows for example you have modern family uh, are you familiar with this with the show mm-hmm. um you have a cup a main couple in the show that is a gay couple mm-hmm. and in the 90s like i don't know did they have that on friends i don't think they did no yeah, no they would hint to a few things but they never exactly were like okay you two are a gay couple it would just be like a Implied, like jab or, and that was like early '90s. There wasn't anything. Yeah, you know that bisexualism is accepted. uh, You know, uh, accepted. uh, Yeah, you know, recent times, even in the United States, you know that. Just the last couple years. Yeah, about a few years ago, the Disney Channel show a lesbian couple. You know, children's TV show. Oh yeah, yeah. Did you Disney Channel? I don't know the shows that you're talking about, but they. um, Yeah, so it was very yeah big issue and it was very a lot yeah it, it created a lot of a criticism for the channel from the moms and oh, yeah. dads yeah you had um like 12 13 year old kids that were exploring their their realizing that they were uh that they were homosexual and they were trying to figure mm-hmm. out how it was all working out and it was on the Disney channel which mm-hmm. was like a new frontier for them Almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because most, you know, most parents at that time, especially like in the 90s, were, 
you know, if they were cracking down on shows that kids could watch, you know, for the most part, Disney Channel was a safe bet. Oh, that's so true. Did you? I had I had shows that my mom wouldn't let me watch cartoons just because of the way that the kids spoke to each other. It Mm -hmm. wasn't even anything about social stuff, you know, And, and now you have things where they're they're creating and we talked about this in uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. They're they're creating opportunities to include more walks of life into daily culture. But I'm I'm fascinated to hear your perspective on where we've come from friends mm-hmm. in the 90s where this stuff was not the, the, written into the culture mm-hmm. to now. For me, um what I what I feel is that you know, every time period has their target audience. And I feel that the time period has shifted from the old school style where every rule is followed correctly 100%. Because like... It's like this unwritten rule book. Yeah, because like my mom, it's she's still, the you know, the law is the law where we don't do Black this. And we white. Don't do, yeah, we don't do this, we don't do that. And there's just no acceptance in there. There's no gray area. No leniency. And so, but then now the times are changing and it's, I feel like it's almost harder for them to adapt and treat people fairly like what, what the media is doing. Cause they're trying to treat everybody cause they need every, they need to stay popular. They need to stay ha- having all the, they need to keep having all the followers. So they have to adapt to those, those changes, but where certain people I feel don't make those changes in life and that's where the battle is between oh you know gay and then straight and then how you should live and how you shouldn't live i feel like that's where the change is 100 percent, and i guess that's my lingering question from the sake of from from a media standpoint so in the 90s they were not it's is it fair to say that they were not including everyone in every walk of life openly in the writing of the show yes is it fair to say? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Basically, media content is reflecting the society, the current society. Even though Friends is, uh, yeah, I would say the uh, friend was a key player at that time. Mm-hmm. But even though they were a key player in the culture, they were kind. The Friends is a kind of a media content as well. Mm-hmm. So it means that they should follow the current culture I so they cannot uh, lead to some of the critical issues because it is very dangerous risky okay. yeah it, it is very risky for their success i think that's my question thank you you you, mm-hmm. you did it perfectly are they so their goal is to to mimic what is going on now and not necessarily to advocate change mm-hmm. would you say because, for example, you have shows like Parks and Rec, like New Girl, and uh, even Bro- Modern Family, even yeah. Modern Family, that mm-hmm. are making it, um, that are are putting characters um, that are from every walk of life, even before some of their viewers are not comfortable with it. Mm. So. Uh. Is their mission to reflect the culture as it is now, or are they trying to be advocates for change? Yeah, uh, I want to say the the concept of the political correctness. The political correctness is very general concept in these societies. So, yeah, 
everyone can say the any issues like uh, homosexualisms mm-hmm. or even more political and critical issues as well. Right. In Aaron, the, for like in, yeah, in Republican the 19, or liberal yeah, or yeah, in the 1990s, we don't have uh, any preparation for that. But now, we have different situation. We, we we've met different situations. Also, uh, with uh, with the diversity of the media outlets, so many of the contents are compete with each other. The current competition is more active than 1990s. Okay, so mm-hmm. the content should be more stimulating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and with the poli- and also with the political correctness, the concept is dominating our society. So I think the freedom of speech is expanding to creating the content in media. Yeah, I I totally agree on that, that um, the effects that the media has on making their shows, you know, more popular and more um, attractive to you know, and I and I feel that it's a certain audience that they're really trying to get to, and that's the audience of the people that um, are making movements. You do, do you get what I'm saying there? So the ones that are comfortable being the ones yes, advocating or, and are like the ones that are saying, "Hey, this isn't fair to us," you know, and and then those shows give them the ability and the confidence to to make those changes. And then as those videos are, those movies and TV shows are being played, other people, because they want to see those shows, are being, are getting more, uh, not sympathy, but they're, they, they're like, oh yeah, I can see that. I can see Mm -hmm. their, their point. I can see their, their change in that. It reminds me of one of the first principles we learned in class, which was the, the mixing of, high culture and low culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, I, I mean, that not it fair to say that they, friends, I wanted, one of the reasons it was such a huge hit is because people mm-hmm. in high culture yes. and in low culture yes. related to this. Yeah, how about the hip-hop? Hip-hop. Yes. Perfect uh, yeah. example. Yeah, in, in my generation, about uh, in the 1990s, the Pavarotti, do you know the Pavarotti? Pavarotti. Ah, Pavarotti. Yeah. Yeah. The, pa- yeah. The tenor. Yeah, tenor. Yeah, it was a big issue. Uh, it was a big news that the Pavar- the tenor Pavarotti, mm-hmm. yeah, play uh, play with the uh, pop singers. Okay. Cross- really? Yeah. In 1990s, the crossover music is a kind of a new wave. But now, yeah, it is not new. It, it's like normal. Yeah, it's very normal this situa- in, in this society. I, I don't know if I ever considered Pavarotti as like at the forefront. <laughs> no, that. me neither. I, di- I didn't even. I didn't even know who that See, guy was. See, I was like seven in the nineties, so I, I definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah, I've watched the live with. <laughs> you <laughs> saw Pavarotti a- live? <laughs> yes. <laughs> 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 and I've seen the Michael Jackson live as well. Oh wow! You saw Michael Jackson live? Yeah, in South Korea. Stop it! Oh, yeah, when I was goodness. in the uh, uh, when I was in the jun- uh, uh, freshman in university, yeah, he came to South Korea in Seoul. Yeah, he got a stage in Seoul, South Korea. Wow! What an experience! Yeah. So I these people before they passed away. 
What and, have I been doing? And also, I will record. <laughs> I will yeah. I will record her stage using my <laughs> oh, recorder, did? video recorder. Do you have it at your house? Ah, uh, not now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, we're grateful that Dr. Kim was able to come and and share his his insights and um on on the issues of of what was then in the '90s to what we have you know now. And we, we know, we, we hope that what you get from our, our podcast is that, you know, we need to, you know, try to be understanding and, and, um, be ava- uh, available to learn new things. Culture is shifting. Um, and Dr. Kim, if you can think of any fine words, we'd appreciate it. But that ultimately that's what I've learned. And I, I feel like you'd agree that this culture is, it's, it's a living thing. Mm-hmm. It's changing constantly. Yes. And the media is... I, when I started this class, I thought it was just solely the thing mm-hmm. that it was just being a part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. But by the end, you know, we're a couple weeks out to the end here. I'm mm-hmm. learning that they're, they've become advocates. They've become a tool and an instrument. Mm-hmm. In fact, we just learned about the terms uh, the other day. The hyper, hyper needle, hypodermic yeah. needle. Hyper, hypo, hypodermic. Hi, hypo, hypodermic yeah. needle. Hypodermic needle. Yeah. Hypodermic needle. And then the other philosophy. Cultivation. Yes. Okay. Cultivation. Are both of these going on at the same time? No. The hypodermic needle model was introduced around the 1920s, 1910. It is the early communication model, and then with the popularity of TV, the mm. cultivation theory was created oh, yeah. in the 1960s. See, now that I know what those are, now that I understand that that's a thing, I'm mm-hmm. seeing it very prevalently. In the past, the media just created the culture, cultural things, but nowadays, media can become a culture itself. For example, this one, this podcast. podcast. Yeah, podcast is a content. At the same time, it's a media. So, yeah, I w- I'm totally agree with your idea that uh, media is a living thing. That's probably the biggest takeaway from the podcast, from this class for me, is that it's just constantly changing. It's it's just amazing that what the imme- what the media is saying to us influences our lives, and that is for me that was the biggest takeaway from this class is that. Sometimes I don't have my own brain is not thinking of doing what I what I normally would be thinking. It's like, oh, my gosh, that's nice. That is a good mm-hmm. thing. That is a good thought. You're more real. You're more influenced than you. Yeah. Realize. And I don't I never <laughs> I never felt that I was influenced. I'm I always, know. <laughs> I, I thought I had more um, agency than I actually do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it's scary. It's scary to think about. I'm sorry about that. How that <laughs> how that affects everybody in the world, because we you never know what would what the world would be like without media. That's just amazing. I have one last question, and we're going to wrap up, Dr. Kim. What do you feel? And you can take a second to think about this. Is our responsibility as consumers? Because we we learn it's a common saying around Utah Valley that you could be either an agent, and act, or you could be an object and be acted upon. And I'm curious what you feel that our responsibilities, as we're learning and studying this yeah. subject matter, is the what is our responsibility as consumers with this understanding of media? Deep thinking, deep thinking, and reading of classic books. I mean that. Yeah, nowadays, 
we guys have we yeah all of us including me and including you yeah we all of us are living with a lot of uh, living with a flood of information okay you can access a lot of information for example how many written postings on the internet do you read in a day in a day probably yeah. more than i realize let's go back to the 1990s okay mm -hmm. the newspaper at that time was still uh big media okay big player mm -hmm. one newspaper is a kind of is a kind of a uh, book with uh, the amount of content of the one newspaper is similar to the book with 200 to 300 pages that makes sense because where else are you gonna go yeah you're not gonna it, computers. if you if, if you're counting the world on the newspapers you can yeah man because so. even computers like you i remember as a kid we had a laptop but you had to like disconnect the phone plug it into the, the dial-up the dial-up mm -hmm. you know so getting to google getting to the information was not easy so now you guys can easily access to google and so facebook twitter like yeah. that yeah so so fast yeah so fast you can enjoy very uh condensed uh, condensed and break break down the content in a very short time just one to two minutes but when you collect everything, yeah, maybe it would be a one, two, one, you want one or two books. The amount of information. So with that information. So in this kind of flood of information, deep consideration, and consciousness, and uh, and uh, deep consideration and sensitivity to the issue, okay, to the facts is really important okay what is the truth from from the flood of information okay what is the truth okay i think this is the first quality for being a good media user is having an open consideration of finding the facts yes amongst the information yeah, yeah. so yeah practice to find the truth with your deep consideration yeah we appreciate everybody listening to our podcast, and um, this will be it for a little while, and we'll talk to you later. Thanks, everybody. Thanks.